we don't have time for this. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where we make this podcast, the Garigal and the Gairamangal people. We pay our respects to all First Nations elders, past, present and emerging. Revs. Yep. We're due for Bobo. Yep. We need to book in. Why are you looking at me like that? I need to confess something. I feel like I know where this is going. You can tell because you're looking at me. Yeah, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, she's not due, but I'm due. Yeah. You went without me. Well, you know how you asked me to book us in? Yes. So I texted the place we go, Yeah. Natural365 in DY, asked for Lynn. I texted Lynn and I was like, hey, can you fit me and Jem in um, for some pre-festive season bobo? And she's like, yeah, how about this Friday? And I was like, great, 10.45, great, lock it in. And then you're like, I'm off to a wedding. And I was like, I'm just going to go. <laughs> you fucking bitch. Because I figured we can get you in again, but you were on your way to a wedding. So I'm going to go by myself I'll now. I'll come with you if you As want. As if you will. With all that time you don't have. I know. It's true. I don't have the I'm time. not going to lie. I'm disappointed. I think I need to add more layers to this story for our DLs. So I've been badgering revs yep. about... And I, Locking down a date. Which is why I reached out to them to book us in. I was doing yeah. it for us, but then I And when took I the said, oh, I'm off to a wedding, I can't do that Friday, instead of going, do you mind if I go? In which case I would have said, yeah, I do mind. It's our thing. No, do you know what happened? Can you just wait one week? No, no I'm not finished yet. I'm still talking. <laughs> DLs, I have since then been like, hey, babe, can we please book in a Botox appointment? Mew, mew, mew. What are your dates? Throw some dates at me. And she's been hedging. Yeah. Like Revs has been like, oh, I'm so, my work scared. Oh, I'm so slammed. I work in e-com this time of year where I pull out the fucking small violin. And I was like, okay, it's not that hard. It doesn't take long. It's like a half hour appointment. Well, now I feel betrayed. Well, I wanted to be on the mic to tell you because I feel safe with the DLs around me. Well, I feel hot and uncomfortable <laughs> and genuinely sad. Do you know what I did? So I was like, yep, booked it in. And then I realized you were going to the wedding and then I forgot to cancel. Sure. And then they were like, hey, Kate, just checking. You and Gemma are coming at 10.45. And I was like, oh, shit, I've left it too late to cancel. Yep. And then I got there. I was like, Gem can't make it. Do you know what I'm going to do now? What? I'm going to make you come to my appointment. It's fine. I'm happy to come. Thank you. I, just... I need my hands held, my sweaty palms oh, held. Oh, Sorry, sorry. I do forget that you're a little scaredy cat in uh, the chair. A little scaredy cat? I have a needle phobia. Okay. Well, you do well. You do well. Well, then I kind of wish that you had told me in the days leading up to today that you had got it done because now I might might not get an appointment. You will. Lynn promised us she would always fit us in and that's why it's safe to share her details because <laughs> you remember we sat on it for so long because we're like, we don't want it to be overrun so we can never get in, but okay. she promised. Now tell me truthfully, when are you free to come with me oh, like to my Bobo appointment? Let's go on a weekend. Do you reckon I can go tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just DM them. They're lovely. Okay. I'll, I'll connect you. For fuck's sake, look what you're doing. This is what you do with the good mum and hair. You just make everyone make your appointments Dude, I you. have chased you about this appointment and you just weren't honest with me. Instead of just going, hey, babe, I actually got it last week. I'm really sorry. You did that weird thing where you Everything just... Everything is content. Everything oh my is God. content. I don't want to be is fucking content. content fodder for you, my friend. I feel like she's more offended than she should be no, about I, this. I Book your own fucking Botox. Well, evidently I have to now. <laughs> so I guess it's not a gal date that we had i'm so i'm genuinely crushed she's just annoyed that she has to take herself to an appointment no let's start the episode we have a thousand things to do but we'd rather chat to you with emails and meetings and husbands and kids we don't have time for this just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast hello (laughs) And welcome to... Oh, she's deflated. We don't have time for this. I'm your host, Gemma Pranita, a.k.a. Gemma Peanut on the gram, along with my, I think, co-host... Oh, my God. ...ex-friend. The, the, <laughs> the drama. The, the indignant tone in your voice. Mm-hmm. Girl, come on. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Hey, I'll uh, work on this you, with my therapist. Been, oh, my God. You have been holding out on me about this story of whatever happened at the wedding on the weekend. And now you have to – I've been asking you, like, I'll save it for the potty. Save it for the potty. It's the same. Oh, gosh. I think it's a bit different. Okay. But anyway, it's fine. Look, DLs, let's get straight into it. You know what I don't have time for? 
Is it me? (laughs) She could be. Uh, No, I don't have time for my own incompetence lately. Yeah. Genuinely living in a weird throwback newborn fog. Oh, where I have just become uber forgetful. Anyway, let's add a little context around this story. So, went to a wedding last week. Very honoured to be asked to be the celebrant. I like to write a very unique meaningful ceremony just to let you know this is the third time that I've been a celebrant I've never done it for strangers only ever for people I know and love because there's something really special about being able to share their love story from a space of actually knowing the couple and you did this at your wedding you had a dear friend we did we had the wonderful Renee Barge who was our celebrant um she was incredible and the ceremony was just next level beautiful to me because well she was there at the beginnings of my relationship with hubs and for her to share that as someone who was genuinely there reading all my giddy text messages is lovely yeah so anyway we get to the ceremony I'm weirdly nervous on this day very uncharacteristic for me for something like this where I would say the stakes and the pressure is pretty low I mean it's a very celebratory day no one's there to see me they're there to see the beautiful bride in her dress so I don't know why I was really nervous so (laughs) the ceremony starts at three And this couple is notoriously punctual. In fact, the groom is known for being punctual, so much so that it came up in the speeches. You know, when someone, it's like a characteristic trait that belongs exclusively to them. He's super punctual. So just picture this scenario. It's five minutes to three. So everything's running on time. I'm standing at the altar, in inverted commas. And the groom standing next to me with his lineup of groomsmen. Mm-hmm. Very formal, very ready to go. Bride's going to arrive any minute now. Then the groom turns to me and says, just checking you've got my vows, right, Jem? Now, you know in the movies <laughs> when someone leaves something important at home yep. and then the whole, it's like a cinematography trick where it goes like backtracks to uh-huh. that one item sitting there on the dining table mm-hmm. and you go, fuck! Yep. Yeah, I had that moment because it was my responsibility to print their vows. Print? Yes, because I do this for all the weddings, all three (laughs) that I've been a celebrant for, where I like them to have printed vows because then they can keep them and take them with them. And it's nice to have it on. I'm a tactile person, you know, so beautiful, thick I don't know, 250 GSM. Is that what you call it? Oh, you get them properly printed. Properly printed. So how did you forget to do this? No, I printed them. Oh. I just left them on the dining table at the accommodation I was staying at. Oh, my God. Also, I wasn't staying at the venue. You know how some people stay at the venue? No, I I had an Airbnb outside of the venue. (gasps) And in the kerfuffle of trying to get ready and go over my lines, I just left without the fucking vows. (sighs) And of all the people involved in the ceremony, the one person you really need to just not worry about is the celebrant. Like it's kind of your, you're the, you're in charge, you I know, know? Oh, I God. know, I know. And on top of this, for whatever fucking reason, I didn't add their vows digitally into the iPad that I was reading the ceremony off. I literally just had written in bold font, Ned's vows <laughs> followed by Katie's vows. And then Jem says, and back to my script. Oh, my God. So it wasn't even like I could go, it's okay. They're on the iPad. They're on the iPad. I'll just hand you the iPad and you can read. No one had their vows on their person. I didn't. So you would have straight up ruined the wedding ceremony. (laughs) Mate. There's no ceremony without vows. I had that sick, I'm going to vomit feeling myself. So what happened in your body? Did you get the the tingles? My heart rate just went up tenfold. I could feel it pulsing in my throat oh my god I turned to the groom and I was like I don't have the vows <laughs> and he no joke went good one Jim oh. and I was like Ned I don't have the vows he goes sure you don't and I went I don't I've got to go and I bolted beeline to my husband and my girlfriend Tish and the groom goes oh you're serious and I was like I can't talk to you I've just got to deal with this I run to hubs and Tish now My girlfriend Tish, I've got to give a shout out to her fucking MVP of this whole wedding. She was the MVP of your wedding also. (laughs) Truly. When you're a paramedic. paramedic. You know, you're a catastrophe fixer. Just like good under pressure. Yes. Yeah. 
And I ran to Hubs and Tish and I was like, guys, I don't have the vows. And Tish was like, I'll go get them. And she like bolted to the event organizer and was like, stop the bride. Yeah. Jem hasn't got the vows. <laughs> Can I just guess what you were doing in this moment? Trying to stop myself from fainting. Just like standing there with like sweaty palms, just like dripping, f- frozen. Yes. Yeah, that's your vibe. Yeah, that was my vibe. <laughs> Terrible in a crisis. And the hubs was like, it's all right, Jim, we'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. Well, he went with Tish. Okay. And the event organizer was this very, very classy French guy. It was like the fanciest wedding venue Frank. I have ever been to. He may as well have been Franck. I have never seen a man in an expensive suit and nice shoes run <laughs> so fast across a field to stop! stop the bride from coming to the ceremony. Oh, Jem. Now, bear in mind, in my head, I'm like, Jem, this is the most punctual couple. And here Not you anymore. are slowing down. Because one of the things that the bride and the groom said to me in the lead up to the wedding was, we want a tight 30-minute ceremony, and after the ceremony, we're going straight into family portraits. We don't even want to greet our friends because yep. that slows the day down. Yep. And then we want to get to the party. Yep. And here I was delaying the wedding by 20 minutes. Oh my 20 God. fucking minutes because of me. And imagine POV, you're the bride, and you're like about to step out to go to your wedding. It's like, hang on, just sit tight. Like that. Imagine that. That'd be so annoying. I've imagined it, <laughs> and I want to throw up just oh, thinking of it. Now, God. I very cool, calm, and collectedly mm-hmm. got up in front of the crowd, mm-hmm. did my housekeeping, and said, the ceremony will be starting shortly, but in the meantime, just... Get to know your neighbor as you'll be carving up the D floor together in no time Lovely. kind of thing. smooth. Bought myself some time. No one fucking knew what was happening well, behind well the done. scenes. Well done. Because anyway. a little, little insight, guys, you may not know, but like Gem is a boss in many, many areas of her life. Her personality is boss-like in mm. most things. Yes, she lives in a prison of perfectionism also, all those things. One thing she's not super good in is a crisis. <laughs> No. She just kind of freezes and stands there and sweats. I'm a deer in headlights. <laughs> She's a deer in headlights. I'm good to no one. She just looks around for like, who's going to help me? In fact, I'm a liability. <laughs> yeah. Like you need to like move me out of the way. Seriously. It's embarrassing. I mean, but I can't deny who I am in a fight or flight situation. <laughs> You're a freeze. Yeah. Or fawn. I, that's yeah, a new thing now. Fight, flight or yeah. fawn. Yeah, I'm a fawn. Yeah. So You're a fawn in the headlights. <laughs> anyway. They came back with the vows. I had them in hand. By this point, I was shaking. I had to just gather myself. I had to really walk away, take deep breaths, ground and center myself because I really wanted to do a good job of this ceremony. That drama school training came in handy. It really (laughs) did. It kicked right in. And then I ran the ceremony and no one, not a single person was clued on Great. to what had happened at well all. Done. It ran seamlessly. Beautiful. When I got to the moment of the vows, I said, all right, everyone's heard enough from me. It's time to hear from, you know, the couple of the hour, blah, 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 blah. It's time for the most important part of the ceremony, the vows. I pulled out the beautiful bits of printed paper. I handed it to the couple. And I had a moment during the ceremony where I was like, imagine if the groom hadn't said to me, Jim, if you got my vows, I would have been in that That, moment in real time going, and we're going to go move on to the most important part of the ceremony, the vows. And it would have hit you. And it would have hit me there and then because it wasn't like I remembered. I've got the shivers now. Yes. (laughs) That is the alternative scenario that could have very, very realistically played out where I would have gone, I don't have the vows. Someone was looking down on you. The universe had your back there it was by Ned, telling Ned. It was to Ned say, the groom. Yeah. It was Ned the groom because he's so freaking organized oh in that moment to think to ask me to double check. The good thing is, people oh. are used to brides being twenty minutes late. People are used to getting to the ceremony and it not starting punctually. So yeah. it wouldn't have like no one would have been any the wiser. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. For gathering your shit. I did. The people are going to think twice before asking Gemma to be their celebrant now. Gemma will think twice before ever accepting a request to be their celebrant. Like, I don't think I have it in me to do it again. I feel so scarred that I could have. But Revs, imagine what would I have done? What would I have done? I would have gone to the bride and groom. Oh my God. And they would have gone, what do you mean? That's okay. We'll just read it off your iPad. I don't have it on my iPad. (laughs) That's okay. We'll just improvise. Oh my god! I mean, I'm sweating right oh, now. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't it. even think I can keep having this conversation. I'm just so fucking grateful that that wasn't the outcome on the day. So something <sighs> the DLs don't 
all know about me is in another life years ago, I had a event business. So we used to do creative for events and we did a lot of weddings. You sure did. We made what we called memory films. We made films of weddings. We had photography. We did the stationery. Basically every creative touch point of a wedding, my company would handle. At the peak of the business, we were doing four or five weddings a weekend and every single Saturday or Sunday morning of that period of my life, I would wake up, I would have to check my email, double check everything. I would do this like massive inventory check on Friday afternoon, check all my suppliers, check all the start times, check all the dates. It was the most stressful period of my life. I had very little children. And my nightmare was that we would miss a wedding, be late to a wedding, whatever. In my 10 years of that business, we had one fuck up. Yes, I remember this. Wasn't my fault. Doesn't matter. It's my business. We had one fuck up and we saved it. Like we got there in time and saved it. But like the idea of fucking up someone else's wedding, it's too big to, it's too big to bear. That's why I can never deal with our DL who called in about her fucked up nanny who ruined her wedding. wedding. I know. I just can't deal that people are comfortable like, with ruining someone's with ruining someone most else's. special, oh. momentous day of their life. And that could have been you, babe. <laughs> that 100p could have been me. Oh, darling. I feel just, for just, you. It was the weirdest thing. There was something in the air that morning because I was oddly nervous. Yeah. And I've shot a lot of weddings. It's a very high-pressure job as a photographer. Mm. The responsibility of making sure your cards are clean and don't ever have the risk of getting corrupt and yep. my biggest fear is losing, losing someone's, someone's wedding, wedding photos yep. Yep. and I know photographers who have been in that awful oh. awful scenario and they've quit the industry yeah yeah you because have to. you, you, you just change your name and move countries no, no it, because you, you just can't recover from that no. because you can't redo a wedding nope. day nope. and I think a part of me thrived under pressure that's why I went into wedding photography because for starters, it's everything's aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, yeah. So yep. easy to photograph, a joy to photograph, but then comes the pressure of working with tricky brides. I technology had as well. a strange run of tricky fathers of the bride. Oh. Yeah. Weird. You know how often you can have tricky mothers of the bride? Mm-hmm. I for some reason always attracted weddings where the father of the bride the could day? be complicated. Or in the lead up or- um, on the day, not the lead up. Father of the Bride doesn't often have much to do with booking the photographer, from my experience anyway. But I've been haggled by a few fathers. Yeah, you right. have. But yeah. I've had a tricky one, especially who was a very passionate hobbyist photographer. Oh, fuck that. He was the father of the bride. Ugh. No joke. When I turned up to the bride's house, I thought he was the videographer. <laughs> He was a hobbyist photographer with $15,000 worth of photography gear in his hand. And I thought, oh, well, he must be the videographer. No, he was the father of the bride. And then he wanted to shoot his daughter's whole wedding. And I kept having to say, you need to be in the photos. And he'd be like, what lens are you shooting this on? And I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter what lens I'm shooting this on. A big, thick one, mate. <laughs> Move aside. Oh. I know I'm generalizing, but male photographers and their fucking gear chat, I can't, like, I can't. The last two years of having that business I had, I found the grooms were a lot harder than the brides. Interesting. Why do you think that is? I don't know. It's like, you know, it does, the the zeitgeist, the culture, it shifts Mm. every every now and then. I think, like, I think weddings became, this was Mm pre-COVID, and I think weddings were starting to become bigger than Ben-Hur, and the groom had to be involved because it was like divide and conquer. And I think an easy thing to give a groom is you deal with the photographer-videographer. Like, you deal with that. Totally. And, like, a lot of them were very corporate, you know, and they're used Mm. to talking to people a certain way, and it was just a really different vibe to talking Mm. with brides who were really emotional and excited about the day yeah that's a generalization but that was the experience in 2018 2019 anyway it was we need to get off the wedding industry i don't know i'm kind of into this chat revs like where weddings have gone these days i think it's so cool post-covid they're like much more chill yes like we've realigned a little bit with what's important yep and they look fun they're, they're much more fun and heartfelt and they've become less of a circus i agree which i think is very very cool have to share yeah meta dl at a oh, wedding. Oh, fun. Always so fun. She yes. was so lovely. She straight up came up to me and was like, I have to say, I'm a DL. Yes. Anyway, I got a photo with her. She was so lovely. She had traveled from Melbourne. Nice. Which was really cool and um, shared with me all about her little boy, Oscar, who's like 20 months and just got Aww. into good chat. Nice. I love meeting DLs. I also I met a DL at the wedding I went to a couple months ago. 
Oh, it's always fun. It's so it fun. It's so fun. It is always nice. Bit of whiplash, but can I change the subject? Of course. So Rafa, yeah, all of a sudden, out of the blue, is obsessed, and I'm talking a daily obsession. Asking me to have a baby. Uh, yeah. Is this a phase? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because it's very new to me and I'm finding it a little bit confronting. Yeah. Because she keeps saying, Mummy, I really, really want you to have another baby. Yeah, that won't go away. Oh, really? No, Isla still asks me every day for a sister. Okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting that you say sister because Rafa said, I really want a baby sister. Yeah. And then I said... Well, you don't get to choose. And she said, well, I'd want it to be a baby sister. And I said, well, if the option is baby brother or no baby, what would you choose? And she said, oh, well, then I'll have another Iggy. And I was like, okay. But I don't know why this is even a conversation that's happening. Yeah. But it makes me feel uncomfortable. And also... Why does it make you feel uncomfortable? Um... Because you want to make a happy millennial parent. Correct. <laughs> Can we talk about Jimmy Giggle, oh, a.k.a. So Jimmy Reese? So if you good. haven't seen it, DL, everyone's you, seen everyone's it. seen it. But do you know what? If this episode is months old and you're a back catalogue listener <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you stumble upon this episode and oh, you go, meta, I don't, meta. yeah, meta. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen that. Just search Jimmy Reese's. You're a millennial parent yep. video. You will die. It is the accuracy. upsettingly <laughs> spot on. I felt personally attacked, if I'm honest. The highlights for me were just sound machines in every room. Oh, my God. And also giving your children everything and not knowing what the future consequences of that are. Yeah. So Americano and I talk about this all the time mm-hmm. because we worry that we give them too much yeah. because of the guilt of yes. the divorce, right? And because you have them half the time. You spoil them even it's more. It's called Disneyland dad. Official, mm-hmm. Like that's the term for it. But it, it goes to me as well that it's like, oh, we can have party food. We can get a toy. We can go shopping. We can do these things because it's, it's like you've got them. It's like you're a little bit auntie mm-hmm. or uncle mm-hmm. on the first day of getting them back. And we talk about all the time, like, we need to say no more, you know, those kind of things yeah. that come up. Like, how do you not sort of spoil them? Because they, they know, like, they cotton on real quick. Oh, they are no fools. They are no fools. And they know how to play you off against the other parent. They know how to puppeteer you. <laughs> oh, my God. They, like, Teddy will be like, I really want these silver Pokemon cards. And I'll be like, oh, well, you know, maybe put them on your Christmas list. He'll be like, I'm just so sad about, just so sad about you and Daddy. <laughs> <gasps> And I'm oh like, my god! Because he's five, he's yeah, got no yeah. nuance. He's so basic. He's so fucking basic. And it's like, okay, mate, like, good, tr- good try, <laughs> good try, good try. And he keeps asking me, "Is it true that Santa goes to both houses?" Because this is a thing I set up when we just separate. Because we separated six months before Christmas, mm-hmm. and so my like terrible Disneyland dad move was like, "Well, Santa goes to both houses." Like you're you're better off. <laughs> oh god! So now they're like Santa goes to both houses. Like, yeah, yeah, Santa goes to both houses for divorce. divorce. You know where I think it gets really complicated <sighs> is when they're teenagers and they can play you off each other. Oh yeah, they can say I'm going here to dad. Yes. And I'm going here. Yeah, we have to you, divide and conquer that. Do you ever feel a pressure to give them the best time so that they want to come back to you? Because no, to the competitive person, yeah. Let's just say there are two like elite athlete couples. Okay, here we go. Okay, and they divorce. Okay, and they're uber competitive uh-huh. and want to be Disney dad and Disney mum. Yeah, then he's what's a term for Disney mum that's got alliteration in it? Uh, magical mum. Magical mum. Yeah, Disney dad, magical mum. I wonder if there's a degree of I'll show you a better time than you have with your father. Yeah, I, I want you to come home to me. I mean. Okay, I think the mum has it sometimes built in easier. Kids mm-hmm. fucking love their mums. Especially my kids' age, they're fucking obsessed with me. Yeah. Like, they think I'm so cool, so interesting. They just want to cuddle me and love me and kiss me all the time. They write me love letters every day. It's baked in, right? Mm-hmm. I haven't, like, particularly earned that, or maybe I have. I don't know. But they just love me, right? I'm their mum. I feel no competition with their dad. Yeah. I don't feel like I need <laughs> because to... Because you know he's inferior. No, I don't I'm care. He's <laughs> inferior. I'm kidding. He's a great dad. It's just like... They're going to love their mum. Like yeah. I kind of I kind of can't do wrong. You know, even Rafa, who is a hardcore daddy's girl, yeah. the second she's hurt herself or she's sick or unwell. Yeah, yeah, mummy. Mummy. They're of our bodies. Like, yeah. uh, I'm sorry. Sorry, everyone. You have to kind of love your mum. Yeah. I know, obviously, that can get really complicated for some people in different scenarios and as we get older and all those things. But my primary school age children are fucking obsessed with me. And so, no, I don't feel like I have to make my house more fun or anything. And I also 
genuinely want both houses to be fun, happy, joyful places because that's the best for them. But I, I know what you're saying and I think some people do have that of like, well, my Christmas is going to be better than your Christmas. But then what happens to this young generation of kids whose parents are millennials who – and Jimmy Reese is right. Yeah. Like we are the generation of gentle parenting. Oh, I hear kids that you're sad – Every child is special. Like, are they all going to have a really rude fall from grace where they feel like life has been set up to be a version of Disneyland and then suddenly they adult, have to pay bills? Life isn't all roses. I mean, that's a big jump from like being four well, to paying bills. I don't bills. know. Like I'm genuine. You know, my mum is really good at perspective checking me yeah, yeah. all the time yeah. because I have definitely subliminally absorbed all the shit we see on Instagram about gentle parenting and making kids feel emotionally stable, safe, comfortable. Yeah. There's no such thing as bad behavior, which by the way, I think is bullshit. Yes, it's really interesting how your voice changes when you talk about gentle parenting because mm-hmm. I think what you've absorbed there is almost the tone. Mm-hmm. It's the content that's important. Yeah. Like it, it's not like, sure, I know they say get down on their level, but like listen, my voice is changing as I'm talking yeah, yeah. about it. You're talking in it's, that calm, soothing. I think it's like boomer parents didn't make a lot of space for our emotional inner life. No. It was like you're a kid. Fucking get over it. Do you know what I mean? Like, just be a kid or whatever. I think we as a generation have got, okay, even children have complex emotional inner lives. You have yes. to make space and hold space for those big feelings. And yep. they need to feel safe to talk about their emotions or they bottle up and explode out later. But I think the the, the case that, that that comes in is like talking really softly and getting on their level, making bento boxes with handmade sushi and bliss balls. But actually that it's not, it, it, does, it doesn't have to be all of that. Okay, but hear me out. <laughs> so I am imagining a whole generation of kids who are nightmares for an employer. <laughs> like an employer's like, just fucking get the job done. And they're like, listen, I've got this inner world <laughs> and inner turmoil in my head. The other day when you said X, Y, and Z, I absorbed it like this, but I went away and I sat on those feelings and I processed processed my thoughts. And now I'm wanting to say that I have holding space for you, that maybe you have shit going on in your life, you know, and an employer is like, fucking do your job. I mean, like, I do wonder about this idea of resilience, you know, I think there is a balance. Yes, there is. For sure. But I saw some bullshit on the internet. There are going to be DLs who are going to fucking cancel me over this, but I don't care. But someone... I swear you're baiting being cancelled lately. You're like, come on, fucking cancel Come me. at me. Come and cancel but me. But seriously, okay, I don't want to get into Elf on the Shelf yet. Or maybe oh, I do. No, okay, maybe ready. I do. I know. We are really, really on the edges of Christmas, yeah. like in a big way. Now, apparently, there are some blogs where they are really anti-Elf on the Shelf. Now, I've never done Elf on the shelf but I'm like more fucking power to you if you have the time energy and effort factor to continue with that bullshit go for it like honestly no judgment you're not gonna do it this year I might (laughs) I mightn't because I'm going to the UK (laughs) yeah yeah, like I don't want to make life harder for myself so props props not this year but maybe maybe next year is good when Rafa's five and Iggy's four like I think that would be good now their whole philosophy is that Elf on the Shelf is terrible for children because it is encouraging this idea of good versus bad behavior. And mm-hmm. their whole philosophy is wrapped in there is no bad behavior. Of I, course there's bad behavior. I thank you. Of course there is bad behavior. I think that. Is Why it- are we scared to label our children's behavior as bad? Well, like I they think- are not perfect individuals. No. Yes, they have their inner life. Yes, they can be angry, but they can also be little shits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they need to learn and they need to, to be functioning in a civilized society. Correct. But I think I think what people worry about is labeling the behavior rather than the child because a child no 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 no. we've identified the differences right it's not saying you're a bad kid or you're naughty you say that's naughty behavior yeah so i think we've do you still say good girl good boy i say it all the time good girl good boy little scruff of the neck (laughs) yeah i would say that that definitely rolls off but i'm i don't think it's so bad to hear good girl or good boy what I think is bad is hearing you're naughty, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. bossy, yeah, yeah, you're a brat. Yeah, labels. I think yeah, those name, name, lab- essentially name calling. Yeah, it is name calling. So I have got it drummed into my own language habits to default to say, Rafa, that's not good behavior. Yeah. So that she is not the behavior. The behavior is something that is changeable mm-hmm. that she herself. But I do think with Elf on the Shelf, 
using empty threats, using bribery, whatever. Like, I don't know. I challenge any fucking parent blogger out there who makes these big claims to go on. Let's put a 24-hour camera in your house. <laughs> Gems calling bullshit. Legit. Like, legit. Oh. And let's let's see, you gentle parent. And also, you have a couple of kids. Are you suddenly an expert on parenting? Like, I don't know. I this know. is why our podcast exists, Rebs. I think it's like everyone has a wedding and they're like, maybe I'm a wedding organizer? Or yeah. they have a baby and like, maybe I'm a midwife. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens. It happens. <laughs> we, As women, we go searching for purpose in our 30s and sometimes we do. we're like, well, that was good. Maybe I'll move into that. And for some people, that's real. And for some people, it's like, shh, don't. Don't put that on the internet. Correct. Yeah. But I just feel that there is enough pressure to be the perfect parent, parenting right. Mm. And that's, there's so much emphasis on the kid and the support of the child. And I think we're there. And I do think it's important. I'm not shitting on it. I love that we now hold space for our kids and we actually understand them better from a psychological perspective. I think like, we have an opportunity to have deep friendships with them too, which yes, is cool. That like, is very I'm cool. I'm definitely starting to experience But that. the flip side of it, is that if you're not parenting perfectly, mm. in inverted commas, as the internet says, then you're failing or you're a bad mom or you're a bad parent or you're, you know, like I just, I don't think that is healthy. Mm. And things like Elf on the Shelf, I'm just like, I don't think that's going to do any fucking damage no, well, to kids. I really don't. Damage, the no. core memory is the fun that my mum put on for me, this yeah. make-believe world for a second. I don't think they're going to walk away and go, Oh my God, my mum weaponized <laughs> joy against me. Yes. <laughs> well, Teddy doesn't want nutmeg to turn up this year. He's Why? been telling me for weeks, I don't want nutmeg to come. He's scary. Oh, bless. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do now? Because one kid's awaiting the arrival of nutmeg and one kid's in my bed every night being like, I think nutmeg's here. I'm like, nutmeg's not here. Did you maybe use nutmeg too harshly against him? Were you like, Ted, nutmeg is watching and that he's developed this. No, he's been walking around the last week being like, can Santa see me now? I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's always watching. <laughs> so creepy. He's like, but I'm nude. I'm like, oh, no, he, he's not looking at you. <laughs> he's not looking at your junk. He's just like aware of what's in your head. He's like, in my head, is he aware now? <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my God. God. Oh, God, how do I get out of this? Abort. 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 Um, can I give a perspective check? Yes. You stop caring about this stuff when your kids get older. Okay. I'm you're deep. Just, am I deep in it? You're I'm so, deep in it. You're yeah. so in it. You're okay. the target market. Yeah, you know, am. like I can't tell you, I haven't thought about how I parent in terms of like a philosophy. I think about how I parent all the time, but in terms of like, am I gentle parenting? Do I hold it? Do I get down on their level? Do I have a, I haven't thought of a technique in like two years. Rebs, I have a two-year-old. Exactly. A two-year-old so and a four-year-old. So deep you are, in it. You're being targeted. Mm. You know, like I promise you in two years time, this is going to be such, you're not even going to have an opinion because you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember gentle parenting. It'll be like homemade puree. Like I don't even care or give a shit about exactly. that anymore. But don't get- in the moment I was racked with guilt yes. that I was giving my kids Rafferty's garden yeah. every day yeah. instead of making homemade puree. But like Liv's about to have a baby, right? She'll be still there and you'll be looking on like, oh yeah, I remember when I cared about that. Thank God for this perspective because yeah. I really, really need it. I'm I do. You, you just move into other phases of anxiety, but gentle parenting or parenting style or parenting techniques, mm. I think you get a break. I, th- I think it does come back in the teen years because everyone needs tools. I'm noticing a massive shift from when all your kids are in school yeah massive like I've seen it even a change with you because Teddy started school this yeah. year you're well and truly out of daycare that's yeah. a thing of the past yeah that I yeah your care factor has shifted yeah it's not that you, you're down to zero you no. care deeply but yeah. you care about very different things but it's not so technical mm. like I'm much more in tune with my instincts and my kids this is the other thing like you've got a four and a two-year-old right like you kind of do need to have an approach because they kind of don't have that uh, they don't have boundaries they don't, but they also don't have that new emotional nuance yet like what they'll just mean? well they'll have a big feeling and then it'll change and it'll be another big feeling like my kids they will notice the raise of an eyebrow and be like oh she's disappointed in me like mm. they're, they're more in tune yeah <laughs> they're more in tune with emotion and how to be in a 
relationship dynamic because they're at school. And also society at large. Yeah, right? so they've, they got, they've got friends, they've got other authority figures like their teachers yeah. and their tutors and their music teacher and all those things and their grandparents and, you know, and their parents' friends. They like, like Isla, you know, when we hang out now, you get to actually chat to Isla because yeah. she wants to talk to you. Yes. So her her sphere of relationships has broadened, broadened. Yeah. and so she is more in touch. So you don't have to sort of lay it out for them and okay, like but- hold their hand through it. They'll, you'll, they'll, you'll give them, they'll say something to you and you'll give them a look and they'll know instantly if you're proud of them, disappointed, blah, blah, blah. So it just becomes a little more subtle. Okay. But Isla is the most mature eight-year-old yeah, yeah. I have ever T- met Teddy in even my entire well. life. So I was going to ask about Teddy. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. even he gets it. Yeah. He gets how to behave in someone else's house. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like since going to school, you just, you see it's huge. The Do they change. suddenly become excellent with manners? Excellent. Well, te- like I've always, you know, I'm similar to you. I've always banged on about manners. Mm-hmm. My kids have, kids have good manners, but no, it's more like I could take him to a theater or a cinema or a museum and he's not got any toddler left in him. He knows how to walk in a straight line and oh, you don't yeah. touch things. And you, when someone says sit here. Or Whereas comes- my two are wild cards. Yeah, you couldn't do that. It's like I'm riddled with anxiety even at the thought of taking them to a theater because it's like, am I going to spend the entire time in the stairwell? Exactly. And like even at breakfast I'll ask a question and sometimes they'll put their hand up do you know what I mean like oh my god they're, stop they're getting, insti- so cute. they're getting institutionalized I in a good it. way yeah. you know it, it's a relief yeah, to the I parent because it means like not only is it all on me anymore yeah. all on us as parents it's now like we're going out to society now and it's the first step of them kind of fledgling using their wings yeah it's nice it's okay. really and it's a relief like for someone like me who I, I was I've never been a capital M mum I've never been obsessed with parenting although I take it very seriously and I mm. care deeply about the soul of my kids and the relationship that we will have as a family um it's a relief to me and I really enjoy this phase so are you it's coming for you okay you, you're not gonna even know the name Janet Lansbury in a couple of years oh, you know? I love Jay Lansbury we love Jay I rely on her Jay podcast you know I had to listen to one of her episodes recently and I went digging for yeah. something very specific and mostly it's to do with Rafa's sass chat back her inability to listen at yeah. the moment and just pushing boundaries yeah. at any opportunity she can I say one thing she does the opposite yeah purposefully well that sounds like a pretty natural point of development for a four-year-old yep and you know half of me is proud blah blah yeah, blah yeah. it's a sign of intelligence <laughs> whatever you try and tell yourself I know but the other half of me is just exhausted by yeah. it you know I think the other thing us millennial parents have had to or are facing that we probably don't know the outcome of yet is like we're busier than mm. our parents were in a lot of ways as in we are juggling work in a device in our hand 24 7 yeah and so we are distracted and yes we need to that's on us we need to put boundaries around that and all sorts of things but like we probably will shut down a situation with a bribe or with a yeah. swift thing quicker because we need to get back to the emails or whatever so that's a dynamic i don't think the boomers dealt with so much they would go to the office do the office things yeah come to the home do the home things yeah. we don't have that separation so we are i know for me i'm like who wants popcorn when they're fighting or whatever but i feel like the boomer generation showed up in society like everything's perfect yeah, I don't know. everything's great look how merry and happy and jolly we are and look at our beautifully presented children well, maybe they did that for us and maybe it was very different on the inside i'm sure it if we been. could get our fucking mums on the podcast Give us some insight. We could ask them. It would be great. My mum doesn't even listen anymore. I don't know if my mum listens or not. I haven't actually asked her. I think it was all the blowjob chat. (laughs) I think they had enough. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if my mum heard about the car (laughs) scenario, but uh, she didn't mention it to me. So, but you know, my mother-in-law did. So that's a win. (laughs) But there's a part of me that's emerging. Yes. Yes. Out of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, talk like, it up. I, I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. And maybe I need a little bit of perspective so I can reflect back on it. But you know what? Sometimes it's fun to share in the moment. Yeah. But I'm suddenly enjoying, for the first time in years, getting ready. Yeah. Getting presentable. Okay. Like I thought that version of Jem was dead. Yeah. I just yep. thought, you know, Jem, there was once a time where you really enjoyed clothes and fashion and beauty. But you know what? It's You've changed. Yeah. No, I still love all of those things. 
It's just that I was so deep under a cloud that I had no capacity for it. It was like so far down the to-do list and it was like, well, you know what? I've got hairy armpits and hairy legs, but I'm fucking married and young kids. No one's looking at me. No one cares. No. Just survive life. That was kind of the vibe. Totally. But now I'm like, huh, the cloud's lifting. I'm feeling more like me. Yes. I'm willingly prioritizing myself and when I say that I mean simple things like revs you know me fashion and me just it was non-existent for a while right yeah I just didn't give a shit I stopped caring yeah but now I'm like I was there too I know I know it's in the black and white days but I I had that moment too but now I'm enjoying things for me and being unapologetic about it and things are making me feel good whereas there was a period where I'd try and fake it you know I'd like buy a nice outfit and go oh I feel like shit but maybe this will cure it and then I'll put a face on make effort with my hair put a frock on and I'll look in the mirror and I'll go fake it till you make it you know we've all been there we've been there but I'm start. I'm this yeah, yeah you're coming back I'm coming back but yeah. it's not old me it's it's new me yeah. it's oh it's a whole new version of yes you. yeah and on this chat about people are warm-blooded and yeah. red-blooded and have desires and all of that yeah. stuff I do believe and my mum has made mention of this to me and I my ears pricked up but then she very quickly shut yeah, yeah, down yeah. the conversation I was like don't fucking yeah open pandora's box for a second and then slam it shut but that's what my mum does but there's a stage in life where people's kids have reached a certain age like you all in school yeah. and then parents get all kinky sexy <laughs> and this is where key parties oh my god happen that's no, where we're going no it's true it does it and happens so yeah. to bring up my mum again mum was like oh what are you about to drop her well in? She claims that she took no part, but she very candidly said to me, oh, yeah, that's a stage in life where suddenly everyone's like, hey, let's spice things up because the kids are grown up and now everyone's being hedonistic again and seeking fun. And one of those things is the fantasy of like swapping life partners or having orgies or whatever. And my (laughs) mum was like, oh, yeah, you'll go through that stage where you start getting offers. And I was like, I was like, sorry, what? Wild. Like, you know, your mum. Like, you always. Yeah, but you, your mum's cool and her and her partner are very vibey. Like, I can see why they would be invited to a key party. I don't know if I have key party invitation written all over me. <laughs> but I can see why they'd be invited. They're both really attractive, very vibrant, fit people. Fun. Fun. Love a good time. Good chat. Love a, love a yeah. glass of bubbly. Look, my mum claims that she never took up an offer. But she, but the way she kind of said, oh, yeah, 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 that's a thing. Oh, and it's yeah, so yeah. funny how <laughs> we all think that we're the first yeah, yeah. to experience. It's like when yeah. you become a mother for the first time, you're like, guys, there's this version of love. Have you heard of it? It's called having kids and it's like unconditional. Yeah. Like everyone get amongst it. Yeah, like yeah. it's we're a the new... first ever. To... But we never are. No. Um, when we were at high, in high school, there was a family everybody knew hosted special mm-hmm. parties. I know who you're talking about. And it, we all knew. And it, and sometimes you'd be like, oh, yeah, my parents are over at the blah blah's house. And you'd be like, oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> Is it a special party? They had like... Like, it feels like it was eyes wide shutty. Like, they had, like, fancy dress parties. Look, straight up, they were swingers. They were swingers. Yeah, they just were. And we knew about Everyone it. Everyone knew about it. And did we judge it? Of course we did back then. But now that we're entering this stage all of life, to them. I'm like, fucking good on you. I want to know all the details. I want to know, like, was there cocaine there? Yeah. Was there, like, was it just, like, really good wine? I always <laughs> want to know how these things work. Yeah. And that first leap, because you're always on the precipice of this idea of, like, could I, couldn't I? Like, you do that thought experiment. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, I wonder what makes people take the leap and then what's the aftermath? Is it fucking awkward at school drop-off? You know what I mean? Or is it just like... So many questions. Please, if there is a DL, because we have DLs of all ages and stages. If there is a DL who's ahead of us, who's ahead of Rebs, I know Rebs is our big sissy of the potty who gives us all the guidance, but is there a DL out there who is older than Rebs, with kids older than Rebs, who has had... These sorts of propositions Any come their way. Any kind of polyamory situation. Yes. I want to hear about we it. We want to know. You can. We'll keep you anonymous. We just want to know what's the vibe. Is it fun? Oh my god. Is it a certain group of people? You know what I mean? Because yeah. there will be people like I've got friends where I've 
playfully gone, hey guys, apparently we're entering the era of swingers. He's testing the and waters. Yeah, just, just, I just want to see. You know what? I'm a shit stirrer. I'm like, I want to see where people are at. I want to ask you I've genuinely, had it- do you have people, when you think of this, do you have pe- couples in your mind that you're like, well, obviously I'd invite them because clearly you're hosting it here. Am I? <laughs> Apparently, Yo Cabba Cabba, where there's upside down pineapples. Oh, my God. I think that'll be the spot. But I, but I, when I've floated it just for fun, yep. fodder, mm-hmm. there have been a couple of friends who are like, N- I could never. Yeah. And very sternly. And I'm like, yeah, get it. That's cool. Yeah. That's your vibe. I don't think I could. I don't know if I could or I couldn't. Like, I mean, this is the thing. I don't know. I'm declare- open. This, we're talking about this stage of life. When yes. we were in our 20s, we went to drama school. We did all sorts of fun things. Yeah. We, both of us. Yeah. <laughs> We've had experiences. We have. We're talking about now that you're in like committed mm. relationship with children, you're a parent, you have school life. You yeah. Know, you have a more adult yes. setup. Existence. What would it be like in that scenario? We don't want to hear about like you foursome when you were 21. No, That's no, no. We're talking <laughs> at this age and stage. With all the weight of all the adultness that surrounds us. Yeah. And responsibilities. Yeah. Because I'm in the, like with my current partner, I don't want to share him with anyone. Like I'm like, no, mm. he's mine. Like mm. I'm greedy, you know, but I'm trying yeah, to take myself back. But you guys are back. in the fucking bubble. He hasn't even met your kids yet. Exactly. You know? So I'm trying to take myself back to when you're like, I don't know, 12 years in and you're like, could I? Could I? I think it depends because we have, I'm thinking of some of our school friends, right? Yeah. I'm thinking of one couple in particular that probably would get invited because they're fun and vibey and sexy, but like they're so into each other mm. sexually. Do you know what I mean? I like know exactly who yeah, you're talking about. It's kind about. of their thing yeah. and you're like, they're not going to partake. We'd all want them to partake, but, that's, but they wouldn't. they've got their own love island, you yeah, know, and they like do. They don't, they're not going to come and join that. No way. That's not their vibe. And then probably the people who would be like, yeah, we're in, we're straight here. You're like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Aggressive. Eh. You're a bit keen. Like, is there a bit of a I don't know. I want, but like, it's a chemistry thing, isn't it? Because couples have to be, or not just two couples, maybe three or four, but they all have to be on the same wavelength. But I've always wondered the same drugs. Like, (laughs) yeah. But what are the boundaries and rules? Because that they would have to be in place, right, for this kind of thing. So you know, I like the Triple J's the hookup podcast. Yeah. Um, it's a bit young for me. Like it is really more a Zuma show, but they are so woke about sex to the point where I, and I think this is a generational thing. Like the Zoomers are very respectful. They're all about consent and like they will talk about anything. Mm. And they've, I've listened to their episode on threesomes. And one of the things is like set the boundaries straight up and, you know, say what you will do. Is there going to be penetration? Is oral sex on the table? Is it? And I'm like, oh my God, take all the fucking spontaneity and fun out of it. No, I I disagree. But I guess you need those boundaries. I think it's important and I think the conversation itself can Can add to the sexiness. Definitely. Like what are we laying out here? What's on the table? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't know. I'm so sickly fascinated by this. I think because I have a little bit of envy with the Zoomers in terms of gender fluidity and experimentation. I feel like I look back on my teen and early 20 years and think – I wish I had the courage to experiment more, mm. just to be more playful. And it's never too late, babe. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's interesting because now I'm very married yeah. and <laughs> very much a mum with young children. But I guess there's a part of me that's like, God, what can I open myself up to? What courage do I have? Yeah. But then I'm a wuss at heart. You know what I mean? Like I'm all bark, no bite. Like yeah. would I actually bite at the opportunity? I don't know. You might have an awakening. There's I'm not a, a life left, babe. I'm a fence sitter. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is I'm not a no, like some of our friends where they're like, fuck no, I would never do that. Yeah. And I get that some people have struggles with jealousy where they mm. couldn't handle the yeah. thought of sharing their partner. Well, it, you, you are putting your relationship at risk. You are. Mm. There's no buts about it unless you feel like. So secure. Like and you have to be like a a, a secured a security on many levels. You would mm. need to have that sexual chemistry. You're still really attracted to each other. Security. You would need to know you had that. You would need to have like the foundation of love and commitment. Yeah. You would need to have all these layers and levels to be able to open up and not feel threatened yeah. because. You are, it is a risk to bring in another Oh, you're exposing your relationship. For you as well. Yeah. what if you have an experience where it's like, oh my God, that's out there? Yeah. I didn't, then that cracks you open and breaks you up and you're like, oh my God, I didn't actually know I could feel that way. Or what if it really awakens you to something that you never knew you needed, but there it is. Like it's a risk. It is hugely risky. Yeah. So yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wasn't planning to go down this um, track. I had I'm a so whole, glad we did. I had a whole other thing to talk about, but it's... Should uh, we save it for we'll another save episode? save it for another episode. DLs, we love you. Actually, it's not the end, Revs. Hear me with your not spawn. Okay, this will be a surprise to no one who follows me on Instagram. I have a really clear not spawn. I'm, I've joined the cult. I have a Frank Green... One liter water bottle. Oh my god! For once in my life, I'm ahead of you. Oh, you've got you one. You are so behind. I know. I know I'm behind. I've had Frank not only water bottles, but also they keep cups. I've had a keep for cup for years. So I've had a Frank Green keep cup for two years. Love it. It's my favorite keep cup because it doesn't leak. leak. You can close it and chuck it in your handbag, and the mm. coffee's fine and hot and still in there. Everyone at my workplace has one of these Frank Green water bottles. They're ceramic and they're also steel. The straw's beautiful. They're really, really gorgeous colors. That but. They're huge. They're one liter. Like it's almost like you're lifting. Yeah, <laughs> while you're drinking. I have never enjoyed drinking water so much. It oh sounds so stupid, but I've been drinking like and I know you don't need four liters of water a day, but I've been drinking so much more water than I normally would because it's just like a lovely experience. I feel really connected to my water bottle. It's become my security blanket. I take it with me everywhere. Really, really love it. Big, big fan. But also bringing it up now because it would be the best gift. For almost literally anyone or anything. Like Isla wants one. So I'm going to get her a smaller one. She wants the hot orange one. It would be a great Kris Kringle yeah, ad. Yeah. You, you never, you're never mad about a new water bottle in no, your life. Or a coffee yeah. cup. They have gift sets as well that yeah. have the keep cup and the water bottle. That's really cute. You could give it to your boyfriend or your husband. You could give it to your brother. You could hey, give it- Frank Green, if you want to sponsor this episode, I have a <laughs> spokeswoman here who would no, gladly be an ambassador. I just, but you know, we're all looking for that gift that yeah. works for like, you know, the, randomly you have to buy your stepbrother's girlfriend a gift totally. she's going to be at Christmas like I don't know who the fuck she is what is she like I can I put something in- out there yes. I think there are two types of water bottle drinker people okay <laughs> I don't think you and I are aligned oh. I get intimidated by a big bottle oh. I need a petite little something something because the pressure to drink water whatever eight cups a day bullshit yeah yeah I can't handle it. There are smaller sizes. Okay. I just there's also a two liter, which I was like, who can even pick that up? Yeah, yeah. But I like the one liter. But I'm getting Isla the 750 mil. Okay. There is are, there one smaller? Yeah, than there's 750? a 590 something. Do I just need to buy myself a kid's water bottle <laughs> and call it a day? Because <laughs> I think that's where I'm going. They're just aesthetically pleasing. Uh, there's something magical about them, and I can't even tell you what it is. Anyway, best gift for anyone. I've literally ordered five. For different people as smart because they're also a good gift because they're yeah. 60 bucks the big ones and they totally. go down from that so anyway um we'll put a link or something in the show notes love Thanks. it <laughs> hit me with your not spawn all right dls i've got a pretty simple not spawn for you this week um very accessible for everyone mm-hmm. cotton on are doing beautiful fabric christmas wrapping in fact they have they do fabric wraps for all year round. I bought a bunch for Rafa's upcoming birthday in April and also Iggy's in beautiful, colourful prints. I just wanted her to arrive at a little pile of gifts in beautiful, colourful fabric wrapping, but they've got a Christmas range. Yes. It's really well priced, but do you know what? I think fabric wraps, it's a worthwhile investment, even if they are a little bit more on the expensive side, because you'll use them for years and years and years. We've done a whole episode talking about the etiquette around fabric wrapping. I don't know where it is. Try and find it somewhere in December. Probably a year ago. Yeah. Don't forget where you keep them, though. This is what I did with my cheeky Quokka packing cases. I put them in such a safe place that when I went to pack my suitcase for Noosa, I couldn't find them. And I was tearing my hair out, walking around the apartment, trying to work out what nifty place... Of course, I open the suitcase and they're in there. So. Uh, I keep my cheeky quokka packs in the suitcase all the time and I'm going to be relying on them heavily yes. with going to the UK because I am packing for two seasons, folks. Oh, I'm packing for minus temperatures in the UK for Christmas for one week and then jumping on a plane and going to balmy tropical on the equator, Thailand. Welcome back to Gem's poor decisions playing out a few months later. <laughs> this podcast is is you going at the time I thought x but now I'm here I see it's y (laughs) (laughs) we love you dls as always thanks for tuning in we love you we'll be back in your ear holes bright and early on Friday morning bye-bye love you